We are going into John chapter 9, and you're going to say, those of you that are following this series in the book of John, you're going to say, wait, 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 what happened to John chapter 8? Because we talked about the the first line in John chapter 8. But I'm planning to come back to John chapter 8 at some point here, if the Lord uh, will allow me. There's some things earlier in John that that tie to some things in John chapter 8, and I'm I'm sorting some of those things out in my heart. Uh, so we may, we may have a return to John chapter 8 at some point in the future. If not, uh, you, just, uh, you just study John chapter 8 and enjoy what you see there and, and receive out of it. But, uh, but we may be coming back to it. But we're going into John chapter 9 today. This is what I felt that we should do. And uh, are you enjoying uh, this traversing through the book of John? I hope that you're, you're, I hope that, that two things are happening. I hope you're seeing Jesus differently, differently than you've seen him before. We've looked at a lot of the, the human uh, aspects, the, 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 the side of the man Jesus and the challenges that he faced and, and how he responded to some of life's challenges. And, and uh, so we received great examples out of his life. One of the things that I've discovered for me that's just been a blessing to me is to get to see that, that Jesus had some of the same feelings and some frustrations that I've experienced in my life. And that's a great eye-opener to see Jesus uh, facing the challenges of life that you and I face every day. Then the other thing that I hope that, uh, that you are receiving from the book of John is I hope that that the Holy Spirit is helping us to kind of point out some things that maybe you've never looked at before or considered before, seen some of those little things in between some of the primary stories of, of, uh, of this uh, great uh, work uh, that the apostle uh, that, that John wrote, that, uh, that you're seeing some things maybe that, that you've not looked at closely before. It's been my heart and, and my uh, challenge from the Spirit of the Lord to focus on some of those things that, that may be considered secondary in terms of the, the prime, their primary stories in there that, that we're very familiar with, but there's some things in between that are said, some statements that are made and some things that are, that are done there that, uh, uh, that we don't always get to take a look at. So I hope that uh, you've received out of those things. Uh, this morning, I want us to look in John chapter 9. And I want you to uh, just, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the early part of the passage of, of Scripture there, and, and then we're going to go, uh, our, our primary theme will be taken all the way down uh, verse 35, and, and we, will, uh, we will look from there a little closer. But in John chapter 9, there's an interesting story that takes place, an interesting event I hesitate to use statements like an interesting story. Because when you say story, that has connotations for a lot of people that, that maybe it's a parable, maybe it didn't really happen, or maybe it's make-believe, or you know, story for so many people means so many different things. This is an event in the life of Jesus that took place, a historical event of great measure and importance. 
So in, in John chapter 9, if you look there, as Jesus passed by, verse 1, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples began to talk to him about this guy. And his disciples said, why is he blind? Who did wrong? Can you imagine if you were blind that everybody in your culture would assume that you were blind because somebody did something wrong? He's blind from birth, and the disciples say, did he sin? Or did his parents bring this on him because of their sin? How many would like to live in a culture where if something is wrong with you, everyone presumed that it was wrong, with that, that that had happened to you because of something you did wrong? Boy, that'll just make you shout. Can you imagine? But that was their perspective, which tells me that that was their cultural perspective. When they came by, and you, you see uh, in, in, the, in the history of Jesus, when you read through the Gospels, you see uh, the, the beggars on the side of the street, those that can't walk, those that can't see, those that can't hear, those that can't work, and they're, and they're out there with their cups, and they're holding their cups out, hoping that someone will put enough in there so that they can get themselves a sandwich today, and, and in the minds of the culture, they are there because either they or their parents did something to deserve it. Imagine what that was like. You're asking of people who believe that you are in the circumstance that you are in because you deserve to be there. See, those are, the, those are the kinds of things within Scripture that I don't want us to miss. First of all, the reason I don't want us to miss that is that that is the environment in which Jesus is serving his generation. It helps us understand in context the larger story of his life. Secondly, I want us to understand that because I don't want us to be the people who look at someone who's in trouble and think that they're in trouble because they somehow deserve to be there. Let us not be that people. Amen? Come on. Let us not be the, the kind... There, there are a lot... Listen, there are a lot of people in the earth who are called by the name Christian who have let themselves be called by the name of the Lord, but their approach to life is that you have a hard time because you deserve to have a hard time. Let's not be that people. Let's look at individuals who are facing challenges in life that are greater than the ones we are facing and let us realize that there we go, but for the grace of God. That we ourselves could easily, in one turn of events or one change of circumstances, be in, in great difficulty as the sun rises tomorrow. So the disciples say to Jesus, Who has sinned? Has this man or his parents, is it something they've done? that caused him to be born blind. 
And now I'm going to share with you something from Scripture that I simply do not like. See, God's big enough to handle the things I like and the things I don't. So I tell him when I hear something or read something in Scripture that I don't like. I say, okay, God, that rubs me the wrong way, okay? And you know what? He says, that's okay. I didn't ask your opinion. <laughs> Have you ever had, had God ask your opinion? He doesn't ask my opinion very often. And it, generally, when God asks my opinion and I give it, he then corrects me. So I know I'm in trouble the moment he asks me a question. When the Spirit of the Lord asks me a question, I'm in trouble. Because he's wanting me to think. Well, you see that in the way that Jesus taught. He asked questions. Every time he asked a question of someone, they were somewhat in trouble. Because he wanted to change their thinking. But Jesus' answer to them is, neither this man or his parents did anything to create this situation. He's in this situation so that the works of God can be revealed right now. Okay, I have a problem with that. But then I have, there, there's a side of that that I love. Let's just be honest. The, the, the scripture tells us that God sent, I'm going to go back to another story. The scripture tells us that God sent the children of Israel into Egypt. They went into bondage. They were in bondage for 400 years so he could deliver them out, so that he could show off to the nations that he was their God. Your God's a show off. Okay, if you have problems with that, swallow really hard while we talk about it, okay? Jesus said he is blind because God is about to show off. Are you here? This man is blind so the works of God can be revealed in the earth right now. So he's about to receive his sight. And then Jesus makes that little, uh, without us going into every script, every reading this whole passage, Jesus spits on the ground, makes mud, puts it on his eyes, tells him to go wash in the pool of Shalom, and when he goes and washes the mud off of his eyes, he can see. He's a full-grown man. He has spent from birth to now never seeing a thing just so God could show off. Okay, I don't like that if I were that guy, right? If you're that guy, who wants to be that guy, right? Well, what's the other side of that coin? If you're in a situation of difficulty right now, it's about time for God to show off. Come on. If you if you're go as a believer, if you're if you're going through life and you're going to work and there's someone at work and they're facing great difficulty, it's time for you to realize that God has sent you into that situation so that the glory of God can be revealed, so that God can show off at your workplace. You know what we do? Because we want to think, what if he doesn't do what I'm asking him to do? Well, my Lord, what if he does? Oh, I want to bolster, 
your confidence in the Lord. You are dealing with all kinds of situations in the life of people around you, and God has set you right there so that you could speak a word of faith and give him the opportunity to show himself faithful to some people that don't even know who he is. And that's not even the deepest part of the text. Then he goes on in verse 4 and he says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. In other words, whenever I see an opportunity for God to show off, whenever I see an opportunity for God to move, whenever I see an opportunity, I must do it now. Many of the things that we're dealing with in the lives of people around us we continue to deal with them because when we first came upon them, we didn't deal with them. And so then it becomes a part that, of life that we accept. And so then we just go along to someone who's in trouble and we just pat them on the back and we say, Jesus knows, Jesus knows. Stop! Of course he knows. He paid the price for healing. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Are you expecting those signs to follow you, believers? We, we must raise our expectation now in what God will do in the lives of the people around us. We must understand these signs will follow them that believe. So Jesus says, let's heal this guy so our Father can be glorified. What Jesus was saying in context is that the challenges that exist in the life of the people around you are there so your God has an opportunity to move. Oh, you're getting quiet. You're getting quiet because you're thinking about those people that, that you know around you who, who are in trouble, who are in places of struggle, and, and it is your responsibility to come as Jesus came and spit in the ground and made that little mud pie and put it on the guy's eyes and told him to go wash and be healed, that just like him, you're called to a situation where you must find out what the Spirit of the Lord is asking of you and how the word of faith is going to be expressed in that moment to bring deliverance to those people. Let me tell you, if someone's blind and you say, be healed in Jesus' name, and their eyes are open, how many understand that person's going to want to know where that came from? That person's going to want to know how that happened. Just like these people in this chapter wanted to know how that happened. The next thing that happens in this chapter is from John 13 through uh, 34. The Pharisees begin to investigate this man who was blind and, and uh, this man who they knew had been begging and this man who they knew could not see. And all of a sudden he can see and those religious people wanted to know how that happened. Hey, let's surprise some religious folk. It's about time you all surprise some religious people with the power and the presence of God. So in that, in that uh, they bring this man in before the Pharisees and they have a whole inquisition. How many would like to be at an inquisition because you were blind and now you see? Well, they bring him in and they have this whole inquisition about what happened because it took place on the Sabbath and it really upset the religious folk. I like to upset me some religious folk. 
You're like, wait, wait a minute. You're a pastor and you're talking about religious people. I am not religious. Now, we do things religiously. Those things, religion just simply means that you do things in, in a pattern. You do, we do religiously. We attend worship. We participate in the things of, uh, of the church. Uh, that, that may appear to you to be religion, but I'm in a relationship with God. I'm not, I'm not in a religion because he speaks to me and I speak back to him. We have conversation. There's, there's the difference. So we're in a relationship. We're not in a religion. If, if we're doing something in a pattern that seems religious and the Holy Spirit tells me to stop, we'll stop. We'll do something different. I'm not bound to any process unless the Scripture deems it necessary. Right? So... They're inquiring of this man, how did this happen to you? How is it that you were blind? They, they told him, this man who healed you, he's a sinner. Read the, read the text. We can't get into all that today, but, but read the text. They told him, this man who healed you is a sinner. He goes, I don't care. I don't care. Because I don't know anything about him. This is what he said. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you in context what the man said at the Inquisition. He says, I don't know anything about this guy. Who healed me? I've never met him before. But this one thing I know, verse 35, or, or verse 25, I believe it is. I don't know whether he's a sinner or not, but this one thing I know I was blind and now I see. It's party time. I've never seen before. I was born blind and now I see. So then we get through all of that, all the way down to verse 35. After, when, 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 the, when the blind man said that, it made the religious folks mad and they kicked him out. You're out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. You were healed by a sinner. Go away. On the Sabbath day, after all. Like the guy was going to say, oh, don't heal me today, it's a Sabbath. Can you imagine? Because that's just about how ludicrous that is. Well, that, it's ridiculous. Anyway, so Jesus works signs and wonders that produce faith. The Bible says that, that Jesus even said at one point to them when they were saying uh, that, that they, when he was encouraging them to believe in him and to believe in who he was, he said, at least believe in me for the works that I do. At least that. Give me that. People were blind, now they see. People were dying, now they're healed. People were bleeding, now they're not. People were dead, now they're living. At least believe me for that, right? And then Jesus makes an interesting statement, and I want us to go down to verse 35, and I want us to pick up there the last portion of this scripture. Jesus heard in verse 35 that they had cast out this man and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of God? And the man answered in verse 36, and he says, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, You have both seen him. Hallelujah. Hear that. You've seen him. And it is he who is talking to you. And then this man was quick as a whip. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. 
And then Jesus said this, and this is what I want to talk to you about. This entire chapter, the all of chapter 9, leads us up to this moment. Jesus says, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. Another one of those things in Scripture that I have to chew on a little bit to like it. He said... There are those who have not been able to see, and I've come to help them see. And then there are those who are seeing, and I've come to bring them blindness. Imagine that. Okay, well, good old Jesus made some more religious people mad. How many understand that? The Pharisees, whom he was dealing with, who was watching all of this, said to him these words. So what are you saying? Are we blind? They may, it may be the only thing he ever said they understood. Those religious people said, so, so what are you saying? You, you're saying we're blind? Y'all go to the fair afterwards, you'll feel right at home. Sound like the voice of the fair. So what are you saying? We're blind? We've, we're the children of Abraham. We have the promises of God. We've had the word taught to us, preached to us, uh, beat into us when we were children. We, we've had every imaginable thing. We, we have been raised to know this stuff. You're saying we're blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have any sin. But you say, I just, I'm reading this slow on purpose. You say, we see, and if you say we see, then your sin remains. So I want to talk to you about the responsibility for what you see. I just want to just give me a few minutes here to talk to you about the responsibility for what you see. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, if you had no understanding, if you had no understanding, then you would not be held responsible for, for the, un, the, the fact that you had no understanding. But you clearly are telling me that you have understanding. Therefore, you are responsible for that which you understand. I stood here this morning. I'm going to just talk to the, those of you. If, if you were here this morning and, and you, you didn't know Jesus and you walked in here and, and I shared with you uh, the gospel and shared with you that, that Jesus who died for your sins, is today is the day of salvation, giving you an opportunity to receive him today. The moment that you heard those words, if you've never heard them before, you're now responsible for what you know. No harsh judgment for me. Just responsible for what we know. We are responsible for what we know and for what we understand. So Jesus was saying to them, sure, if you were blind, I wouldn't, you wouldn't be responsible for this, but you've been taught this stuff. These are the things you should know. Therefore, you are responsible. That's what he said to them. 
So how many understand that when Jesus said, uh, I've come that, that those that are blind will see and, and some of those that are seeing will just be blind? That he, he wasn't talking about natural blindness. He was using this man's natural circumstance as a uh, tool for teaching them a deeper truth. So listen to this. Luke chapter 12, in verse 35. There's a whole section of scripture in Luke chapter 12. You need to read it. We, don't, we, we can't take the time to do that, but I can give you at least the context. Luke chapter 12, this is what he says to them. Verse 35, let your waist be girded and your lamp burning. Be like men who wait for their master so that when he returns and knocks, they can open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master upon his return finds watching. So he says to them, be uh, followers of God. Be, be men who are prepared for the return of their master. How many of y'all have ever had a job? How many of y'all have ever knew that, the, the, that your employer was coming by and that he better find things in order when he gets there? That's what Jesus is talking about, just simple responsibility. You've been trained to do your job, and so when your employer arrives, he expects to find you either doing or having done what you were hired to do. This is the context in which Jesus is teaching. Be followers of God who are looking for the return of the, of the Savior, who are looking for the King and the Lord to come and to arrive and to check out what they're doing. Be the kind of people that are waiting in a position of preparedness. So he says, let your waist be girded. And let your lamps be burning. Have yourself in a position of active waiting on the Lord, of serving in the kingdom, of doing what God has called you to do, of doing what he has assigned you to do, of being a people of faith and, and being prepared for the return. Be the people who are prepared for the return of the master. Anyone who's ever worked a job understands the context in which Jesus is approaching this. Blessed are, listen to this, you've you got to hear something from the heart of the Father. I've read this, I've read this hundreds of times, probably, I've read this all of my life. This, this time, preparing for this teaching, I read this differently than I've ever read it before. Listen to these words, it's beautiful. Luke chapter 12, verse 37. Blessed are those servants who, when the master returns, finds them watching finds them prepared, finds them doing what they are supposed to be doing, finds them, essentially finds them faithful. The scripture says in another place, a steward must be found faithful. God has given us what he's given us to steward uh, the kingdom of God. We are stewards of the kingdom. You if, you, if you love Jesus, I don't care if you received Jesus 10 minutes ago or if you received Jesus 27 years ago, you are a steward of the kingdom of God. And so he comes back looking for us 
as we steward the kingdom, as we are faithful servants of God. And he says this, Blessed are those servants whom the master upon his return finds watching, finds prepared. Assuredly, I say to you, listen to, listen to this, listen to this. You, I hope you see Jesus differently than you've ever seen him before in this moment. He, I, I say to you, he will gird himself, he will have his servants sit down at the table... And he will come and serve them. Woo-wee. Something went off in me because there's the other place in scripture where Jesus talks about this. If you go and you search it out and he says, no master comes in and sits and says to a servant here, sit down and eat before your master eats. No master does that. Jesus taught that. He comes in, and it doesn't matter if the servant's been working all day long. When the master comes in and it's dinner time, he sits down, and the servant waits on the master and serves the master, and then the servant leaves the house and goes to the servant's quarters and prepares his own dinner. Jesus taught that. But then he turns around right here, and he says, let me help you understand something faithful stewards of the kingdom of God, faithful children of God who are doing what you are supposed to be doing when the master returns, he's going to sit you down and serve you. Y'all are still sitting there. You ought to be bouncing off the walls by now. The, uh, oh, something went off inside of me and I thought, oh my God, I, Lord, I don't want to miss that moment. Oh, when you come back, I want you to find me faithfully putting my hand to the things that you've assigned for me to do. I want to be faithfully moving in the lives of the people around me. I want to be faithfully speaking to the blind in my community. I want to be faithfully speaking to the hurting in my community. I want to be faithfully uh, promoting the kingdom of God in context of the assignment that you've given me so you find me faithful so when you get here, you sit me down and you serve me. Oh, what a meal that's going to be. You know, there's a side of me that feels just like the, 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 the disciples felt when Jesus came. Listen, when he came to wash their feet, he came to wash their feet and they were like, no, 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 you're not washing my feet. No. And he said, if you don't let me do this, if you don't let me bless you, if you don't let me serve you, if you don't let me kneel and wash your feet, you have no part with me. Imagine that moment when we come in as unworthy as we may feel in our hearts and as, un, as, as grateful as we feel for what the Lord has done for us. And then he comes in and he goes, sit down. And you're going to go, you're going to, you're, there, there's going to be a part of you that's going to go, no, 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 no. Master, you sit and let me serve you. And he's going to say, no, sit down. You've been found faithful. Sit down, I, I, I'm, go, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to bless you. Sit down here. Oh, imagine, imagine. Now that, that's, isn't that wonderful? Come on, isn't that wonderful? That's the promise of God over your life. 
as you faithfully steward your assignment. It's not even complicated. It's not even complicated. It's just you doing what God gave you to do in the time of your, in the window of your life. In this time period, you being an individual of faith who points people to Jesus. I remember when I realized that I was going to do uh, the memorial service, I was going to participate in the memorial service for my father. And I have this picture in my, in my mind of him as, as I was growing up as a young man. Now, I didn't know, I didn't know where that picture came from uh, as, an, as an adult until later I found out that but uh, I had this sense of my dad as I was praying. I was saying, Lord, explain to me this man because, uh, because I felt like there were things he always wanted to do that he didn't get to do. And, and there were probably things he was disappointed he never got to participate in. And I thought, Lord, did he leave this life disappointed or unfulfilled? And the Lord said, I designed his life for one thing and one thing only. He held out the word of God and he walked through his life saying, this way, this way, this way. And that was the man that I knew. And I saw this picture of my father uh, in, in my mind. I just always saw him with the word of God uplifted in his life. And he's going, walk this way, children. Follow me this way. I'll show, come on, walk with God this way. And he spent his life just teaching the word of God. Well, when I was born... This is interesting. When I was born, my father was pastoring a church, the only church he ever pastored. I only pastored a few years. And, uh, and a couple of years there, and then he went on to be a youth pastor somewhere and, and ministered elsewhere throughout my life as a Bible teacher. But I have a picture in my office of him in that pulpit with that Bible preaching like this. And in my young mind, in the years that children don't remember, I remember. And that's the way he lived his life. All you have to do is live your life fulfilling your assignment, pointing people to Jesus. However that looks for your life, oh, come on. But you may, be, you may be given to prayer, and prayer may be the avenue that you lead people. You may be given to evangelism, and evangelism may be the avenue that you lead people. You may be given just to simple friendship uh, of the folks that you labor among and that you work around and, and, and your neighbors, and, and through friendship, you just share with them the love of Jesus, and you just put your hand into their life and, and, and gently communicate the good news of the gospel. But however that looks, no, you don't have to be like me, and I, and I don't have to be like like you and we have the freedom that God created us and made us all uh, wonderfully different. Thank you, God. We don't all look like me. And, and uh, isn't it wonderful that we get to be the individuals that we are and just simply communicate the gospel among the influence that God gives us? We don't have to be Billy Graham and preach to thousands. We just share the gospel and the love of Jesus in the context of the life that he has given us, faithfully serving there. And the Bible says, when he comes and he finds you doing that, he's going to gird himself, he's going to prepare a table, he's going to say, come and sit here. And then Revelation prophesies all of that and gives you a description of that. How many, how many want to eat for a thousand years? Praise God. Well... In that same passage in Luke chapter 12, he describes the unbelieving servant. The servant who says, 
my master delays his return and he begins to be distracted and he mistreats the other servants and he just eats and drinks and to, to a place of drunkenness and the master of that servant, listen to what this says, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but I just want to share, the master of that servant will return when he least expects it as an, at an hour when he's unaware and he will cut him down and appoint him his portion with unbelievers. He'll come in, and he's going to take that which was made wrong and make it right. Well, I know I don't, I don't want to be that guy. And then at the end of that passage, down the latter part of verse 48 of Luke chapter 12, it says, for everyone to whom much is given, much is required. And to whom much has been committed of him, more will be asked. We are responsible to steward the message of the kingdom that we have been given. We are responsible to steward the message of the kingdom that we have been given. I have, a, I have a horrible thing that goes on in my head as a responsible person with the message of the gospel that has been layered into my life. And this thing that goes on in, in, in my head is that at the judgment seat, there will be someone who will pass by and will say, you knew and you didn't tell me. I just have that going and playing in my head at times. Lord, don't let me miss an opportunity. Now, now you don't always tell with words. Sometimes you tell, more times than not, you tell with the way you live your life. That you call yourself a believer and you live your life as though God never encountered you and you never encountered God. You're communicating to the culture around you. But equally as important that we take the opportunity to share Jesus in the moment that the opportunity arises because the opportunity, how many understand opportunities pass? I want to share with you something. And I want you to live out of this passage. Psalm 119, 130 says this, the entrance of his word brings light. It gives understanding to the simple. How many have ever looked, in, looked at Scripture and go, I don't get it. <laughs> hey, I, I'll raise my hand. I'm going to tell you right now. Now, listen, I've, I've been pastoring a lot of years and teaching the Word a lot of years. But there was a lot of years I opened up my Bible, laid on my lap, and, and still there are things that cross my eyes. And I go, I don't get it. <laughs> Say that again. Help me absorb that. He, the entrance of His Word brings light. And gives understanding to the simple. How many know I qualify? Right? That's a promise for us. That's the promise of God for us. Lord, just address me in my, in my simple. You made this simple so that I can walk in it. I can live out of it. Your word comes into me and it gives light. But equally as responsible, when your word comes into me and I have understanding, then I'm no longer the blind. I'm no longer the blind. I have understanding. If I'm no longer the blind, 
then I'm supposed to carry that little bit of light that Anne was prophesying about earlier, and I'm supposed to share out of that light with those that are walking in darkness, because even the smallest amount of light, hallelujah, and thank you for prophesying this earlier, the smallest amount of light dispels darkness. I'm no longer the blind. I will not stand before, I cannot stand before the Lord and be consi- I will not be considered the blind any longer. I have light. I have understanding. You have the light of the gospel in you. You are not the blind. Now, religious folk who, who th- those guys didn't like what Jesus is preaching. They didn't want to receive that light. They rejected the light. Reject the light, you get to be the blind. That's how that works. Those that he was talking about that, that came seeing, but now they're blind, were rejectors of the light of the gospel. They rejected the light. Ephesians, the apostle prayed for us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse, verse 18. He said that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know the hope of his calling, that you would know the greatness of who he is, that you would know. Everyone under the sound of my voice this morning, even if it's your first time to ever be in church, you know. You now know. He is the Savior. You now know that light dispels darkness. You now know that you have hope in Him. You now know, I challenge you to know Him. Don't become the religious and don't reject the light of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. You now know.